Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, lovely listeners. Dr. Lucy here today, and I am again without Dr. Mary because I am interviewing one of my favorite people in the world, a woman who probably I would have to say I'm a tiny bit fangirling about, but somebody who inspired me many years ago when I first stumbled across her podcast. I would like to welcome to the podcast Dr. Katrina Ubell. She is a doctor from the States and specializes really in helping doctors with their weight loss. But her information changed my life, and I'm sure this podcast will help change many of yours. So Katrina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Ah, oh, welcome. I think, um, you know, it's one of the... <laughs> I'm a tiny bit embarrassed to admit this, but when we first started our business... Uh, which was is really still quite new. We had our list of our like our manifesto. You know, where do you see this business in five years' time or something? And we talked about who do we want to meet, who has been some of our inspirations. And honestly, you're on my list. So, at some stage, I'm heading over to America when COVID's all gone, and we will meet and have a coffee. <laughs> Absolutely, we will. That is so 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 fun. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with me. I love it. Oh, you are welcome. So for those of you who don't know Katrina, she has a podcast, uh, which is called Weight Loss for Doctors. Is that, is that the name? Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. Oh, Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. Because, you know, in the US, we call lots of people doctors. So physicians are medical doctors. Right. Yes, of course. We're, yes, I get that. Yes. <laughs> One of those language things. Yeah, yeah, totally. And in Australia, a physician is, uh, it's a specialist uh, who is... Oh. So you're in Australia, you're, everyone's a doctor and most doctors are still medical, although still chiropractors, vets and dentists so, and, and PhDs are called doctors. But if you're a physician, then you're, you do internal medicine, which is what I think you oh, call it. Yes, that's what we call it. Yeah. Yeah. Surgeons are, are the, you know, the choppers. They're the surgeons. <laughs> and GPs are general practitioners or family doctors. So yeah, that's how we go. Yes. It's always like interesting, like the, the language, like, cause people in the UK will be like, well, we don't use the physician word, but we can figure out what you're saying. <laughs> okay. Totally. <thank> you. <laughs> totally. Katrina was, I'll just do a little background, was a pediatric doctor or a pediatrician, which we all know is a, a doctor for children. And then transitioned to becoming a weight loss coach. So I would love to hear and for you to share that story with our listeners, cause I think it's fascinating. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I struggled with my weight, really, I mean, honestly, even in high school. And even before that, I, I think, I think when I look back at pictures, I'm like, no, I was normal. And it was fine. But I think I still felt big. And I already had a little bit of a complicated relationship with food, even, you know, in kind of the early teens time. And once I got to college, I gained plenty of weight. <laughs> Yes. Then lost it, gained and lost. And that was basically the story of 20 years of my life was gaining weight, then losing it, gaining, then losing it. And the main way that I would lose it was through the Weight Watchers program. I'm a lifetime member there. And, you know, I'm a good student, 
So I can follow a plan and I can count the points, even though I would totally game the system at times as well, which, you know, (laughs) is a whole other discussion. But I I could work that plan to get all the food. And it actually also encouraged me to emotionally eat and overeat for fear of hunger that might come later. Like if I didn't have the points, then I might be hungry. And then what will I do? So I better overeat the free vegetables right now. But anyway, I would lose. Yes, I would lose the weight that I wanted to lose with Weight Watchers. And I would probably start gaining it back because I was not interested in counting points for the rest of my life. So it was very much a means to an end, but it was not a permanent solution. And it took me many cycles of this to get it through to myself that this isn't working. I think what made it a little harder to understand was that I had several pregnancies in there. And so there were kind of the times when you expected to gain weight, and then you lost it, and then whatever, back and forth. It just was not something I was willing to do the rest of my life. And so the scale showed it. So what ended up happening was I had my last child, I had lost the weight and really sworn to myself, like, I mean it this time, for real this time, I'm not going to get it back. And then I did <laughs> gain it yes. all back. <laughs> yes. And I was also approaching 40 years old. And I think any of those big birthdays, those milestone birthdays, we often start to have a reevaluation of several things in our lives. So as I was reevaluating what was going on with my body and my weight, I was also reevaluating what was going on for me in my practice. So I was in a great private practice, wonderful patient panel. From the outside, anybody looking would say, you're absolutely crazy for leaving. This is just a dream come true job. And in a lot of ways, it really was. At the time, I just didn't really have coaching tools. <laughs> Let me just say yeah. the first thing. But but secondly, I was not now in hindsight, I can say that the big problem was for me there, besides some just interpersonal issues was feeling stagnant, and not really feeling like I was being challenged anymore. Certainly not that I knew everything, you'll never know everything as a doctor. But I felt like the day to day main things that I was seeing on a regular basis, I had down pat, I was like, give me any baby that can't sleep that won't sleep, I will get them to sleep. Like, give me any child who's got feeding issues, I will figure it out. Like, it just didn't feel that challenging anymore. And so all in all, it just wasn't that much fun. And, you know, it just was, there were several things kind of factoring into it. My husband, who's a surgeon, was making, you know, multiple times more than me and coming home before me almost every night, putting the kids to bed. I mean, he actually just recently found some old videos on his phone of my little, little kids on the changing table getting in their pajamas for bed, and a video of them saying like, come home, mama, you know, like, like, because they wanted to go to bed. And there I was still working. And it's just it's heartbreaking even now to, to see that. And so I was just really reevaluating all of it came to the conclusion, you know what, I think I'm going to take a break from practicing medicine, like, I want to see, do I miss it? I don't really know if I will, like, I want to just kind of see what else I might do. I have a lot of interests. And I really honestly, I think a part of me really thought, you know what, you're totally going to go back. But a part of me also felt free. So it was kind of like I I didn't really know which direction I was going to go. I'd found life coaching a few years prior when a friend had coached me on just an interpersonal issue, something totally separate. And it really changed my life. It was amazing. And I thought, you know, I'd like to really learn more about that. Particularly, I thought it would be so great to teach my adolescent patients about these concepts, because here I was almost 40 learning them. How great would it have been to learn them when I was younger? 
But, you know, the timing wasn't right at that time. So then I thought, well, I gave six months notice. Meanwhile, I'm still struggling with my weight, working with a nutritionist, working with different people, like trying to sort myself out with the weight, not really, you know, incrementally finding solutions, but not really getting to where I needed to be. And I thought, you know what? That's right. I wanted to do that life coaching thing. Maybe I should do that. So around the same time, I realized that I was an emotional eater, which I had really not identified with at all because I had this idea in my head that emotional an emotional eater was someone who was very emotional, meaning really felt their emotions in a very kind of like extreme fashion. I literally envisioned a woman crouched in the corner, sobbing, tears dropping into her bag of chips. Like that's yes. literally what I thought of when I thought of an emotional eater. Yes. I'm like, that's not me. I'm totally functional. Like I am actually very even emotionally. Like that's not me at all. So through the process of working the nutritionist, I started recognizing, you know, wait, if emotional eating is eating for any reason besides hunger, then yes, sign me up because for sure yes. I do that. Yes. <laughs> I definitely do that. So I realized, okay, maybe there is more to this than just figuring out like the exact right eating plan. Like I had been vegan for five years. Like I tried all of the things to try <laughs> I love to keep, it. My, keep my, you know, my, my diet, my weight under control. So it all kind of came together. I learned these life coaching principles on a deeper level as a certified coach. And then I learned how to apply them to weight loss, lost a ton of weight myself, and really just felt so much freedom around food, like all the freedom I'd been looking for for all those years. And I thought, you know what, there might be some other doctors out there who might want this help because I had literally been Googling weight loss for doctors, weight loss for physicians, like certainly somebody must be helping the doctors with the crazy schedules who can't do a ton of meal prep who don't have time for that, and have a lot of unpredictability in their schedule. And I couldn't find anything, you know, it was all just medical treatments like shots and surgery and, and pills. And I just, you know, if that's the right thing for someone, that's fine. I just knew it wasn't the right thing for me. And so I thought, you know what, there's probably other people out there in a similar position who might want some help with this, because I never dreamt of having a business or anything like that. Like, yeah, maybe I could do that. And so that's what I ended up focusing on. And sure enough, there were so many doctors who were like, yes, I struggle too. And like, we all think we're kind of that special snowflake, the only person who's struggling in the way that we do. And when someone starts to normalize it a little bit for us, we start seeing like, oh, wait, other doctors feel the same way. You know, here we are supposed to be the experts in health, we're giving advice, we're totally not following it ourselves. Clearly, it's like (laughs) embarrassing because people can see the result of that on our body compared to other vices where people cannot see it on you. Yes. You know, there's just added layers to that feeling like of hopelessness, people asking you, yeah, what should I be doing to lose weight? And you tell them what to do knowing full well, that's not going to work. You know, because you tried it, it didn't work, you know, or you're like, hopeful, maybe it'll work for them didn't work for me. And so it really has built upon that. And just to go back to like, have I missed medicine? I actually haven't. But I think that's because I've really identified with a new purpose. You know, I always felt a lot of value, I felt like I contributed a lot by being a doctor. And I feel that same way, just in a different way in my business. And so I think that, you know, that's what's kept me going with this. And just as I had mentioned to you earlier, the idea that if I can help a doctor to get control over their weight, and in doing so help them with their own experience of their life so that they're no longer burnt out, that they are in good relationships, are happy in their lives, love their jobs, 
then every patient that they see is on the receiving end of that goodness. And that impacts all of us. Totally. All of us who see doctors. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's great. Absolutely. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there in that as a doctor, if you're not loving your job for whatever reason, then you can't be giving the things that you need for your patients. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wonderful. You know what I love is the things, like you said, a whole heap of stuff in there. But some of the stuff that I love is that the idea of medical weight loss is that people think that that one thing, that, you know, injection or those tablets or that surgery is going to be the solution. And I can't tell you the number of people I have seen who have had surgery and it's worked for a component, but it doesn't address the emotional eating side of things. And I don't know how it works in, in the States, but certainly in Australia, there is a tokenistic approach to psychology. They might see a psychologist for one visit and that's it. Same thing here. Yeah, yeah you, you basically you just have to make sure that you are of sound mind. Yes. At, before they allow you to have that surgery. There's, there's really no other counseling involved. And I actually have had clients who have done various surgeries and maybe they lost, you know, 50 pounds, 100 pounds, 150 pounds. I mean, sometimes it's a lot of weight, but then they're finding it creeping back on again. Like, you know, I was saying like gaming the system with the Weight Watchers points, you can game the system after having surgery as well. You can still, you will find a way to emotionally eat or use alcohol to help you emotionally, which is also something that happens frequently for people who've had weight loss surgery if you don't do this work. So like you said, it is a component. And I think for some people, it might be really the right choice for them, but it's not the full picture. It doesn't solve the entire problem. No, and I think it's a blight on the system at the moment because we can't offer a a surgical solution for someone who has an alcohol problem or a gambling problem or even a shopping addiction where they use, again, they're just tools to soothe their emotions. But because we can chop someone's stomach in half or bypass their whole system, the message is that that is the solution. It can be really helpful, but only if you do the work you're talking about. Yeah, concurrently. It's kind of like, you know, if you have a hammer, then everything is a nail. And if you have a scalpel, you know, like, like, what can we do? Like, you know, like doctors will think about how to help obese patients through the lens of medications and surgery, because that is how they're trained. So like I said, I think every person is individual in what their needs are. But I would venture to say, I think I think I, I feel comfortable in making this kind of a blanket statement that any person who struggles with being overweight, to whatever degree, has some sort of emotional component involved. Yes. And if that isn't being addressed, then whatever you do, you may get, you know, partial results or temporary results. But the real freedom that you're looking for comes when you do the emotional work. Yes, I uh, I totally agree. You've just, yes, absolutely encapsulated that in that one beautiful sentence. So tell me about the work, the emotional work. Like, you know, and I may have borrowed this statement from time to time, the neutral event yes. <laughs> creates the thought, the feeling, 
the action and the result. Mm-hmm. I would love you to, because sometimes people have a, some, you know, it takes a little while to understand that concept. And I would love to hear it from your perspective and how you talk to your clients about it. Yeah. Well, it really is something that I kind of like to think about in reverse, in the sense that I think we can all agree that our actions create our results, right? Like if you <laughs> eat gallons of ice cream, there will be a result in your body. If you don't, there will be a different result. So what most weight loss programs are going to address is that bottom component, the action and the result. They're going to say, do this, don't do this, eat this way, don't eat that way, exercise this way, don't exercise that way. Lots and lots of actions. And, you know, there will be coaches who will be accountability coaches, and they'll be there to try to get you to take those actions. And if you take those actions consistently and regularly, you will get results. Like most weight loss plans, no matter how divergent, no matter how different, they'll create some results for you for the most part. When we say a weight loss plan doesn't work, it might not work. But if you actually follow it, it probably will. So the part that's not working is your ability to follow it. (laughs) That's the part that we have to address. So like I said, like when I counted points, when I took the actions that Weight Watchers suggested, I got the results. I just didn't want to do that forever. So I didn't keep the results. So that's an important thing to understand. So when we look at, you know, the statistics vary, but anywhere from, you know, one to 5% of people who lose weight are able to keep it off long term, like three years or longer, you know, that's 95 or more percent of people are not keeping it off. So what is going on? Why can we not change our actions long term, that's when we have to backtrack and understand that the reason why we do anything or the reason why we don't do something that maybe we want to do is because of how we feel. So that's your emotion. And you know, we kind of we understand this, right? When we're like, we don't feel like doing something, we feel unmotivated. We sit on the couch and watch Netflix or (laughs) whatever we do, grab a snack, right? We, we don't really do things from a more negative emotion that are generally creating positive results for us. But when we're feeling motivated, as an example, we're like, hey, you know, maybe I should play my food, maybe I should, you know, go for a walk, maybe I should go do something that's actually going to move me forward. So the emotional piece is really important. Because most of us have a very limited emotional vocabulary and are very disconnected and out of touch with what we're actually feeling, particularly doctors, but lots of other people as well, in the sense that we kind of live up in our brains, we're intellectual, we think a lot, we spend a lot of time up (laughs) above the clavicles, right? Like we're just spending our lives up there. And, you know, especially for doctors, we're valued for what our brains can offer, right? It's our knowledge base and our intellect and our problem solving abilities. Like these are all the things that we're valued for and also commended for. Like this is what we think is the best part about us. And so when we also, when we go through our medical training, which can be, you know, very taxing, very tiring, it actually kind of is a protective mechanism to disconnect from your body and not know what you're feeling because you can't do anything about it anyway. You basically need to stuff down your emotions, soldier on, doesn't matter if you're tired, doesn't matter if you're hungry, or you need to go to the bathroom or whatever it is, it doesn't really matter because that's not relevant. You need to do whatever is needed for the patient right then. So then at the end of that training, we just keep living our lives in that way. So we're disconnected, we don't know how we feel, And then we're like, why am I not taking those actions that I want to be taking? Or why am I taking the actions I don't want to be taking? 
like going into the ice cream every night. Well, we don't even know how we're feeling so that we can identify that. And then what creates our feelings is our thoughts. And that's really just the way that we assign meaning to what's happening in our world. So it's like what other people said or did and, you know, the news and all the things that are around us. Our brains are meaning making machines trying to help us to understand what's happening in the world. And the way that they create meaning is through thoughts. And so those thoughts are going to create the feelings and the feelings drive those actions. So what we have to understand is if we are taking actions we do not like and getting a result we don't like, so eating in a certain way, getting a result in our body we don't like, if we just switch over to a new way of eating, you know, following the next diet plan or whatever, trying to get a new result, but if we do not understand what the thoughts and feelings were that created the actions and results we didn't like, we will keep thinking that way. Our brains will continue to make that same meeting out of what's going on in our lives, we'll feel the same way. And we will eventually go back to our old habits and we'll eat the way we were eating before and we'll get that result that we didn't want. So this is yo-yo dieting right here. We have to understand what we're actually thinking and feeling that creates what we don't want so that we can change it. So it doesn't mean this is where some people are like, oh, so you're just supposed to change your thoughts and just, you know, be delusional and just think that injustices are okay. And, and that's not what I'm saying at all. But instead, it's recognizing that there's always more than one way to interpret something. And there's generally, usually more than one way that even feels true and believable to us. And often, we choose the way that feels worse <laughs> for us, instead of maybe giving someone the benefit of the doubt or recognizing, you know what, this isn't something to get super worked up over or upset over right now. I don't actually want to feel that way. I'm just going to decide that this isn't a big deal. You know, and not to say that you don't address problems that come up. I mean, this is obviously there's more layers to this. But it's just understanding the concept that you have to understand what's driving you to do the things you don't want to do. And then you need to choose new thoughts and feelings that will consistently support you in taking the actions that you want to be taking so that you can get the results that you want. So this is an important piece that is missing in almost, I mean, it's just really not discussed. Like mainstream weight loss programs are just not discussing this. And so if you're wondering, like, I'm an intelligent person, like I'm very accomplished in my life, like, why can I not figure this out? Katrina, you are absolutely right. I think that any sustainable program that promotes real health and weight loss really does have to concentrate on that concept we call the physiology, so understanding the hormones, but also the psychology and really digging down into understanding our thoughts, feelings, which, as you've so rightly pointed out, that drive our actions. And I would probably go even so far as to say that our society is largely emotionally illiterate. We're not encouraged to talk about our emotions. We use blanket terms like stressed or anxious, and we don't really dive into, or, and as I said, we're not encouraged to dive into what those next layer of emotions are. I look forward to continuing this talk next week where we will proceed further and uh, continue our conversation. So lovely listeners, look out for us next week. 
and I will see you then. Have a wonderful day. Bye for now. So my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.